This is Star Wars Rebels Alert, the weekly podcast after show where we recap and discuss each and every episode of Star Wars Rebels Season 3. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. I'm Troy. Have to apologize here right off the top, guys. This episode is coming to you a few hours late. It's been a bit of a hectic mess around here lately. I just got out of a move, and it didn't go as planned, but thankfully Troy and Sanjay came to the rescue and made it a little bit more pleasant than the disaster it turned out to be. <laughs> but anyways, it's Canadian Thanksgiving also. That's right. And so I just wanted to throw it out there. I'm you know, quite thankful that we do have this forum. We do have you listeners. We do have these gentlemen sitting next to me, Troy in particular, and Sanjay on the other side when we're doing the nerd room. It's nice to have those guys to talk nerd with, talk Star Wars with, as well as the same kind of guys that come to your aid when you do need help. Anytime. <laughs> anytime. And thanks for listening out there, guys, and happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's a little different than American Thanksgiving. A little different. Same concept, different <laughs> yeah, time of year. Exactly. So this week we're going to be discussing episode three of Rebel Season 3, mm-hmm. titled The Antilles Extraction. Yes. So is, is it, sorry, is it episode three? Do we consider episode three or episode four? I don't know. No, it's we'll episode one, two. Okay. Yeah, we'll go I'll, three. Yeah, go three. It's yeah. the third viewing, I guess. Yeah, yeah exactly. That makes sense. <laughs> However you want to call it. <laughs> and this one, you know, we've been seeing a lot of the Jedi story yes. developing here. And one thing I want, just want to touch on quickly is... In this episode, we don't see much of Kanan Ezra. We see it kind of in the background there. Mm-hmm. And I'm really getting a Obi-Wan-Anakin vibe off the two of them. And having not fully watched Clone Wars and mm-hmm. seeing that development of those two, probably the most you get out of any sort of Star Wars story. Yes. Do you see that reflection in Ezra and Kanan that you do see with Obi-Wan and Anakin? A, a little bit more so, but more developed, uh, particularly between Attack of the Clones. I think that's mm-hmm. when we really missed the opportunity be- between having like a young Padawan and a, a Jedi Master such as yeah. Obi-Wan. So we missed out there, and I feel like they're filling in the gaps here with uh, Rebels. Clone Wars, kind of not so much, because they're kind of separated quite a bit of the times too, whereas I think there's General Kenobi, and then you have Anakin as well on different mes- missions. Yeah. So you don't see them really bumping heads as much, but at times you do. So it is a little different, but I really do feel like this was... Uh, what we're missing in Attack of Clones is well, the Ezra and Kanan relationship. Yeah, I fully yeah. agree. I really like what they're doing here. Even mm-hmm. as side characters in this episode, yes. I still feel like they're developing that role mm-hmm. of Ezra as a Padawan. And, right. you know, reintegrating the idea that he is an apprentice to Kanan. Yeah, and Kanan's learning every yes. day, too, to become a master because he never really graduated the Academy in the first place. Right? Yeah. He gave up the Jedi mantle and all that. So it's cool, particularly with this episode, to see Kanan just really embody that role as a mentor master a little bit more so. Even though it's a small role, I really got that sense that... That he is the master in this relationship. Yeah, yeah. very much so. He's really given me an Obi-Wan vibe yes. right now. Even this episode where yeah. they're just, like I said, side characters yeah. or background characters, you're still seeing them push that even though it wasn't the focus of the episode. Yes. And we talk a lot about the idea of filler episodes. Mm-hmm. We've seen them in the past in this, in Clone Wars, and every single TV show, you do get that bottle episode, something Absolutely. to cut back on time so that you can push through an entire narrative over 24 episodes. Yes. And this one, I still wouldn't call it a filler episode. Right. It's building the canon. It's building the new Star Wars universe. Yeah. And using characters like Sabine, right. who is a fan favorite, someone that deserves the focus, to progress and add in little aspects of the Star Wars universe yes. that we're really looking for. Because we're really running up on a timeline here with mm-hmm. you know coming close to Rogue One and A New Hope, where you start have to start integrating and acknowledging some of these characters, particular characters like Wedge, right. and where they are and wh- how they became part of the Rebel Alliance. And I think it's a cool way to do it. You're getting an individualized story with Sabine, but you're also adding some you know, critical piece of canon to the puzzle here. Yes, yeah, it's a great job. So we begin this episode with the Rebel fleet coming out of hyperspace. Right. And the Imperial fleet coming out of hyperspace as well. Yeah. To oppose them, and I love the look of these TIE intercepts. I'm not sure if they do show up in any of the books mm-hmm. or the comic books, 
But this is the first time we're seeing them pre-Endor, I think. Cool. Because I was looking at them and I was like, oh, these are the TIE intercepts or are these the TIE strikers that show up in Rogue One. Okay. Because they have a really similar look. The only I haven't really seen much of it from Rogue One, but they do have the Lego out. And they seem to be missing the TIE strikers, seem to be missing the bottom portion of the wing. Okay. Where these are TIE intercepts. And I believe they're quite heavily used in the Battle of Endor. Awesome. And there's just their agility in that. Like, you don't usually see a TIE fighter doing the barrel rolls. Right. And the way it was moving around and eliminating the targets. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really cool. The animation was great there. Oh, it's fantastic throughout the whole episode. They essentially eliminate this rebel transport right. with no remorse. No. And they're really seeding this idea that the Empire is you know, more than just this government organization or this dictatorship. And it's now moving towards this evil empire, if you will, right? Exactly. It's creeping up there. And again, continuing this tone that they set from the first episode that this season is much darker. With oh, yeah. We're seeing characters die here. Yeah. yeah, and right out the gate, it's like all six of those pilots. It's not like you see them blowing up from a distance. Yeah. It's you're in the cockpit exactly. with the pilots as it's blowing up. Yeah, classic uh, A New Hope almost, yeah. you'd say, right? And then we visit the Rebellion, the, the command unit here, and they're getting the news mm-hmm. that they've lost these six A-wings yes. as well as the transport here. That's right, which is just received the last episode, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's and then we get Fulcrum returning, mm-hmm. which is interesting because immediately Ezra, as did I, yeah. I was like, oh my god, Ahsoka's Ahsoka. back. Love that callback. Yes. Yeah. Quick side tangent on mm-hmm. Ahsoka here before we get on the rest of this. Cool. Her book is dropping October 11th, so this week. Okay. And it fills in the gap between Clone Wars and her appearance in Rebels. Yeah, perfect. That's all I need right there. Yeah, yeah, so it's going to give you that exactly what she was doing in that time frame as far as how she ended up becoming Fulcrum. I'm going to be really interested if they integrate at least the back half of Season 2 right. into this when she's kind of communicating and how far it goes into the dynamic of Ahsoka with the Order 66 yes. and how that progresses and where she was and mm-hmm. what she was doing in the background up until the point where she becomes Fulcrum for the new Rebel Alliance. Awesome. And does she encounter the Bendu? Because yeah. she seems pretty great, right? So I'd like yeah. to know if that ever happened. And did she receive any more training too? Exactly. And how that yeah. progressed. Did she know that Yoda's alive? Had she seen Obi-Wan? Mm-hmm. Right? And so it'd be interesting to see how they develop that. Because I'm assuming it's going to go right from the end of Clone Wars right through until she shows up in Rebels. That's awesome. I'll probably revisit that episode too yeah. right when I get in that book. Yeah. Good stuff. But we do have a new Fulcrum. So they mm-hmm. explain the idea that Fulcrum's just a code name used for agents that are embedded within the Empire. Yeah, rebel spies or exactly. rebel informants. Yeah. I think we should maybe talk about this a little later on the episode as okay. we get through. But I think we both have a very similar idea who this is. <laughs> This could possibly be. And Definitely. I think it's a little on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> but say. that's okay, too. <laughs> Fulcrum does give us the idea that there are pilots in Sky Striker Academy yeah. that are willing to defect. And that's something that they're short on, as we've seen already. They've suffered numerous losses, yeah. not only in this episode, but in previous episodes. So they're down to very few pilots mm-hmm. left, if you're not counting the ghost crew in that, right? Yeah. And Sabine is given the task to go extract these rebel pilots and we're not made aware that it's wedge yet but we do right. all know it's him you can right? assume yeah and it's cool that they're giving sabine a little bit of the limelight here and ezra doesn't really want sabine to do this he wants to take it on himself exactly. right yeah and i think it's cool that they said no 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 we're gonna let sabine take this and that's cool for the fans too right it gives a little service there absolutely because we've kind of been lacking a little bit of the other uh, supporting characters it's really been jedi uh, focused, yes. right? So it's great that they're going back to Sabine here. Yeah, yeah, and there's a lot of callbacks to this episode all the way 
to stuff in season two, specifically yes. when we get to the Agent Callus stuff as well. Right. And I like how they're tying in the larger dynamic of the ghost crew mm -hmm. into this episode in particular. Full circle. What did you think of the big splash screens when we have the Imperial shuttle showing up on Sky Striker Academy there? It had this almost Cloud City looking... Oh, yes. That's immediately what I thought of. Yeah. It was Cloud City when I saw that. It's great. Again, keeping off the animation, I love the look of that. We saw it a couple times, the shots, the shot of that, right? Yeah, it's gorgeous. It had almost that sunset view yes. as well as kind of a normal day view. And both times when they're flying, I'm like, oh, that looks exactly like Cloud City. Exactly, yeah. Then we have Sabine. She's infiltrated the Empire mm -hmm. here. She's They're exiting off of the Imperial Shuttle that's brought them into Sky Striker Academy. And yeah. they're getting the credentials checked here. And I thought it was a really cool callback. I don't remember seeing too many black astromechs. Yeah. And it's just thinking back to Force Friday when I picked up the C2B5, yeah. which is in Rogue One. I thought of you. Yes, <laughs> <Yeah>. that's right. <laughs> I was like, this is kind of cool. I don't yeah. know. I'm sure it's been in Rebels and Clone Wars right. and that, where they do have these black astromech droids. Yeah. But I thought it was really cool. It's like, ah, you know, it's kind of a little nudge. Like, yeah. hey, look, you guys just bought this. Exactly. <laughs> and I even like the little uh, Super Nintendo cartridge. You yes. know, blowing the cartridge and then it works. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. That's so funny. I thought it's Yeah. <laughs> it's going to work. Yeah. They seem to be some sort of elite TIE fighter mm -hmm. squadron. And, you know, when you look at A New Hope and some of these, these TIE fighters don't seem to be the greatest pilots. Mm -hmm. They're kind of, you know, meandering around, getting yes. shot out of the sky. But these guys, and you saw this right from the start, mm -hmm. are top-notch pilots. Yes. And they're flying these TIE interceptors, and they're practicing a lot mm -hmm. in these simulators. What did you think of the simulators? Did you think that it was Sabine had actually blown up at this point? No, no, <laughs> definitely not. But I really like um, this this elite training going on, especially um, reading Lost Stars. You know, you get a sense like the elite is the elite. They're above everything, right? Yeah. So I love that we got the more focus on them because we did have an episode, uh, I think it was season, end of season one, close to season one, where we got to see some training going on with the, um, the Imperial Guards with Ezra. Right? So it was yep. cool that we got to get away from the stormtroopers and get into the elite squad there. Cool. Yeah, and this is where we have the introduction of Wedge. Mm -hmm. Now, he's present in the OT, he's present in the Aftermath yes. books, but this is the earliest appearance, I believe, of Wedge yeah. in the Star Wars universe now, in the mm -hmm. canonical Star Wars universe. Right. You can call me Wedge. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Yeah. What did you think of the leader of this TIE Fighter Squadron? Right. Bit of an extremist, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's an interesting character. He he took out how many towards the... I think he's several, at least. Yeah. And I was kind of battering my head around. I was like, is this guy present in other Star Wars books? But I think he's a new character. Yeah, he's definitely a new character. Because I was trying to think, have I come across this character in the books or anything yeah. else beforehand? And he's definitely a new character, I'd say. I have a feeling we haven't seen the last of this guy either. No, definitely he's, not. He's got that look to him. And I'm assuming we're going to see this develop further into the season where this elite squadron, at least, mm -hmm. is going to be chasing the rebels, maybe as a part of... Thrawn's contingency. Exactly, and get away from uh, the Seven Sisters and all that, yes. right? Yeah. Yes, I think it's yeah, going to be more Imperial-focused and less Jedi. And I'm pretty stoked to see Wedge here. And I'm a huge continuity fan. Yes. And I love when they insert little pieces of Star Wars continuity into this much bigger puzzle. And I can really appreciate this. And this is why I really don't think that this is a, a filler episode. No. Is that you're building the Star Wars universe up here. Mm -hmm. You're building a strong foundation to what we already have, right? Yeah, and episodes that you don't want to skip, right? Yeah. We visit Governor Price here again. Yeah. Which, the more and more I see her, the more and more she looks like the Russian woman from Indiana Jones 4. Yeah, <laughs> with the haircut and everything. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and when she goes all badass fighting hand-to-hand -hand combat with Sabine a little later on the episode, I'm yeah. like, oh my god, is this the same woman? Just without the <laughs> Russian accent? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Disney, Lucas, yes. you know. <laughs> Continuity. <laughs> And Agent Callus here, and he's been in a couple, at least I think he was in the first episode of the season, but he didn't have any lines. It's no. when they're introducing Grand Admiral Thrawn. Mm -hmm. And he gets some lines here, and 
in that episode in season two when he was with Zeb on the ice planet, the very yes. Hoth looking planet. Yes. I always thought in the back of my mind, I said, something's going to happen here. Do you think he's going to turn? Because all through this episode, they were kind of winking and nodding. Yeah. Is he going to turn? He did, seems to be have this growing disdain for the mm-hmm. Empire. He's getting these looks. He's getting quips from Sabine talking about someone actually doing his job. Yes. He's getting looks from Governor Price. And he does aid them towards the end of this episode right. as well. Yeah, I definitely do. You know, I think I think this is the growing theory online, basically, is I do think uh, Callus is going to be the person that kind of fills the gap in the old legends, Thrawn's bodyguard. Yeah. I think he's going to be the one to probably take out Thrawn. Yeah. I think so, because it's, I didn't it's, even his, think of that. Yeah, it's, it's his guy that takes him out, right? Yes, and, you're right. So I think if anybody's going to take out Thrawn, because Thrawn, you know, you, you can't have a Jedi kill him. I think you have to have it from the inside kill mm-hmm. him. And who else better to do it than Callus? Wow, that's yeah. interesting. I hadn't even thought yeah, about that. So that's think, an interesting theory. I think that's the route they're going to go. Yeah, that really. Do you think that's going to come to fruition this season? This season, no. I think we're going to get. I'm hoping we get two seasons of Thrawn. Yeah. And I, I think for the fourth season, potentially the final season, I think that's when Callus is going to pull the trigger. I'm hoping so, at least. I'd really like that idea. That would make him being a, at least a spy or fulcrum for at least two seasons, which is a yeah, long time. That but is. I, I feel like the turn is coming soon. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it is because it's been building up quite a bit now. Yeah. So. You're right. Yeah. So we'll see. What what do you think? I don't know. I like that theory now Mm. of Thrawn. I didn't even think about that. I thought, basically since that Zeb episode, that Mm. eventually something's going to happen here. You're going to have to see some higher ranking Imperial officers defecting at some point here. You would have to. Yeah. But yeah, that's an interesting theory. I kind of like that. I don't know if he's going to last that long. Mm -hmm. And if that theory does come to fruition in this season, that really makes me fear for Thrawn not getting more than a season. Right. And would that upset you not getting more than a season of Thrawn? It it would. But, you know, if we're going to get more books out of the character, then I'm fine with that, too. You know, it's always better when you have the villain in smaller doses as as, as opposed to longer ones. Yeah. Longer periods. So if he's short and sweet in this season, then that's fine by me. And it seems that we're kind of going that way. Mm -hmm. Again, we're into three episodes and we've only had very minimal dialogue from Thrawn. Right. Are you missing that? Do you feel that void yet? A little bit, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, with Vader, it made sense that we got a little bit of him because the character was still present going further more. But here, we don't really know the fate of Thrawn. So, I feel like their hands aren't as tied. So, we should be seeing a little bit more of the character, yeah. I would think, right? Yeah, I think that they're building the foundation. I really expected them to go full on with Thrawn. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we discussed this a couple episodes ago. You can only do so much big ship on big ship battling, right? right? And that's, that's what Thrawn's about, right? And, at the stage, and you see this in this episode, they're really feeling the pinch for fighters, for mm-hmm. troops. And if you throw Thrawn at them all of a sudden, there's no rebellion. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we get a really nice exchange here between Sabine and Wedge. This is one of my favorite parts of the episode. And this exchange, it really brings you up to speed with Wedge's backstory. And it helps you understand a bit more as why he wants to defect and mm-hmm. what he was before. And it's really this, you know, we're firing on, at least in the simulator, we're firing on transports that are unarmed. Right. And we're starting to grow, again, this idea that the Empire is much more than just this iron-fisted military. But they're going beyond that. And you're yes. seeing that with the extreme, more extremist leader. Mm-hmm. And you're now seeing that Wedge Hobby, which is another great reference. Yes, you here. mentioned that before yeah. to me off, off air here, yes. Yeah, so he does appear in Empire, I believe. Mm-hmm. And having Wedge, I just absolutely love it. It's so cool. And again, you know, reading these books, guys, you got to go out there and read these books because Lost Stars plays with the idea of people defecting as yep. well, right? And it's all around the same timeline. So it's, it's just great. So you get Wedge strung right through the Star Wars continuity now. So you get him now in Rebels, in the OT, as well as more of a pivotal character in Aftermath than even the original trilogy characters, the main characters. So he plays a, portion, a part in Aftermath, and a quite an important part there. And then you do see him actually starting to train 
Snap Wexley. Right, yeah. Which is really cool. And mm-hmm. you're getting this vibe that even from the, the Aftermath books, that they do have this kind of Rebels feel to them. Yeah. Just this ragtag band. And the fact that you've got Wedge now on both sides of that, mm-hmm. I really like this concept. Yeah, it's great. That's and great. there's a lot in those books with Wedge as far as, as, far as his backstory. And I'm interested to see, he speaks very briefly about it in the Aftermath books, and I'm interested to see if they actually touch on a bit more of that and link the book and Rebels up here a little more. And if we're going to get more of Wedge's story, or if this is a one and done. Right, like, you know, because you've read both books there now, did you, could you trace anything that connected from this episode to those two books? Did he, did he reference anything from past tense there, or? Nothing really specific. When he does... I can't remember now if it's the books or what it is, but mm-hmm. there is talk of him going on a mission and it ends up crashing into a volcano, oh, breaking good. his leg, I believe. Wow. And there's a few things there that I think that maybe could get explored in Rebels. It'd be mm-hmm. interesting that if they're taking and going into that sort of detail with the right. books and with Rebels and tying them together like that, mm-hmm. I'll be absolutely blown oh, away. That's incredible. So we don't we don't necessarily know what he's talking about in those books if that took place before this episode or after. I believe it takes place after because I think he was part of the rebellion. I think okay. that was a reference. So I, this being his, you know, f- joining the rebellion mm-hmm. that happens after. Oh, okay, great. So there's still lots of stories they can explain here. Oh yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, definitely. And I yeah. think tying into the aftermath books again, I feel like Rebels is allowing the aftermath books to become a little more relevant to me because, how being that they replaced the Thrawn trilogy yes. and that those books in particular really focused in on Han, Leia, and Luke. Mm-hmm. And now they're focused on a different crew of rebels, almost like the rebels from Rebels. Yeah. <laughs> it's, but it doesn't have that same impact because you're not looking at the main characters. You're not understanding what's going on post-Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And that's probably going to be more explored in the movies, yes. in Episode 8, Episode 9, and that's probably why they have to stay away from it. Mm-hmm. But the fact that now you're tying in these two books into Rebels and you're starting to see how it's actually you know important for continuity and the stories that they're telling in there actually matter for what's going on in rebels something that they're going to tie up i really really like that that's great great stuff so we definitely will probably see more wedge oh i think so yeah i think so yeah. yeah and one parallel that i also wanted to draw on was when i look at sabine in that tie fighter mm-hmm. outfit i see Jin right. from rogue one it's yeah. really cool it's, i don't know if it was on purpose or what the deal was but it's just a really cool callback mm-hmm. i think can't to, help to think about that yeah, yeah. or call forward maybe <laughs> Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Maybe a year later, yeah. <laughs> we have the Rebels setting up a plan to extract the three pilots from the Star Striker Academy. Mm-hmm. And all I could think of when they're going is, it's a trap, right? All I could hear is Akbar in my head <laughs> yeah. the whole time screaming. Because you knew that they were planning something here. Right. They're going to sabotage either the planes or they're going to find out exactly what was going on. Because mm-hmm. they had an idea that they had defectors amongst them. Yes, after they're sabotaged here, we have Kane and Ezra attempting to rescue them on the ghost. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't go so well. No. And they turn tail and take off. And our rebels are captured. Yes. Or at least the defectors are captured, mm-hmm. including Sabine here. Right. Um, and then we have a really interesting scene with Governor Price, Sabine, and the other three pilots yeah. here. Wedge included there. And you're getting this torture scene. It's I kind of reminiscent a bit of some of the torture that's gone on in the original trilogy, yeah. even into um, Force Awakens. Force Awakens, even. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that what chair I thought of. that they're in. Right. That hand-to-hand combat that Sabine and Governor wow. Price get into. Wow, that was a highlight for me in this episode. I thought that was great. It's almost like some Worker Soldier uh, fight choreography yeah. going on there, right? And you can, you can feel those punches. And it's cool to see that Price could hold her own because I never got a sense that they could actually fight. I just thought they were more commanders and yeah. uh, strategic. But to see them actually hold their own and have that uh, hand-to-hand combat was just great. Yeah. Well done. I yeah. agree. And this is where we get towards the end of the episode. So we get a very a New Hope callback again. Mm-hmm. Is We have Sabine... 
coming and rescuing the other pilots. Yeah. And she's sitting out front of the door and just standing there on this very Death Star-looking jail cell, right? right? Yeah. And she's standing there. I'm like, oh, she looks like Princess Leia, kind of <laughs> like. I'm getting that vibe yeah. off of her. Mm-hmm. And they do escape with an assist from Agent Callus. That's right. And he specifically states to tell Zeb that they're even now. Mm-hmm. And this, again, stems back from an episode in Season 2. Yes, great and, episode. Yeah, yeah, that's a good episode. Mm-hmm. We've already discussed a bit about Agent Callus and how we think he's going to turn. And mm-hmm. it's it's interesting to see them progressing that. Like, I thought that it was going to be a little more drawn out. Mm-hmm. But for them, I, I'm certain he's fulcrum. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I totally agree with that. It's on the nose, but I, I don't think it's meant to be too much of a mystery. Really? So, that's pretty cool. And, and the voice actor that plays him, uh, David Yellow from Selma. Yeah. You know, Oscar winning or Oscar nominated at least. So, yeah. that's some pretty high caliber actors going on in this show, right? It certainly is. Yeah. And I think that lends to the fact that this character is going to be important, I think, going at least through this season or so. I would say so. Yeah. And that pretty much wraps it up for this episode. We get a nice line at the end with oh, right. Welcome to the Rebellion. Classic. Yes. Yeah. And that's said numerous times throughout this episode. A couple times in this episode. Well, overall, what did you think of this episode? What Did it live up to you know what you think in episode three is? We had some pretty hot episodes coming out the gate here. Yeah. Do you feel like this is dipped in the momentum a bit? Or do you think it's an appropriate dip to you know kind of bring us back into progressing the story of more than just the Jedi characters? Yeah, no, I really appreciate this because... Um, you know, it really spread the floor pretty well. We got a better sense of Sabine and where she's at. And it's cool to kind of take a break from the Jedi and the Bendu stuff. Because like you mentioned, I mean, you could say the first three or two big episodes have been huge and very focused on even Maul, right? So what's going on there? So it's good to get away from that. And we still have that cliffhanger of where Maul's going and yep. who's alive. So I, I really appreciate this episode because I did think it was going to be maybe a filler episode. And I absolutely wasn't. You know, there's a lot of content in here. And, it, you know, like you said, great animation going on throughout the episode. And yeah, hands down, I, I love this episode. It's great. Yeah, I have to fully agree with yeah. you there. It's it's. I really really enjoy this, and it's coming at a time in my life where it's a bit chaotic. So it was nice to sit, <laughs> yeah. and relax and watch something that gets built continuity, had a lot of references to OT, mm-hmm. to the aftermath books, and building that canon. You know, I this is one thing that I think Rebels and we've said it before does really really well. Mm-hmm. It ties everything it together. Does. Yeah, and it seems more and more that it's becoming the glue that holds a lot of this Star Wars universe together right yep. now. And it has the ability, because it's 24 episodes long or whatever a season is, yep. it has the ability to tie in lots of things and, and hit on little threads that, that maybe just drop lines in the movies. Yeah, And I can really appreciate with these type of episodes that that's exactly what they're doing, right? They're building the universe here. Yep. And they're doing it in a way that's entertaining and fun. Yes, yes. Especially when they have such original characters because these characters haven't really appeared in any other uh, scope of Star Wars, right? So it's really cool that we have these characters and just just great work. I, I love the show so much, as you guys can probably tell. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I give this... I mean, I don't know if we rate episodes necessarily, but if, if I was giving this out of a out of a five scale, you know, this is this is like a high, a high three for me. Yeah. Yeah, it did the job. It's definitely the weakest of the episodes it's aired. Yeah. But by no means... Am I calling it a weak episode? Right, yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. It does exactly what it's supposed to do. It's, mm-hmm. Like I said, it's entertaining and it builds a bit of comedy. Yeah, it's, it's not a sleeper, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> so that wraps it up for us here at Star Wars Rebels Alert. Yeah. I apologize again for this episode coming out a little bit late. You know, it's all we can do to get it out on time here. So it's still coming yeah. out on the Monday. You still hear it today. But <laughs> next week will be a little better. Things will calm down a bit more. Yeah. And if you're interested in, in all sorts of other nerd news as far as Marvel, DC, Star Wars, we're talking and wrapping up New York Comic Con this week on our other podcast, The Nerd Room, which drops this Thursday. So be sure to check that out. Yeah, we've got lots more Star Wars to talk about there. Yes, we do. Believe it. <laughs> all right, guys. This is Star Wars Rebels Alert signing off. 
I'm Tim. I'm Troy. 